0: And we are back, Warp and Woof Radio, radio radionext.tv at the Cool Groove site. We come to you every Wednesday morning from 10 until noon. But newsflash, except next week, because next week is July 4th. We will not be having our show July 4th. Just tune in to radionext.tv at the Cool Groove site and just enjoy the cool jazz that you'll be hearing next week. We're going to take a break on our nation's holiday. We're grateful for that. Uh, I'm joined here today not only on the radio, on air, people are listening to us around the world, but I'm also joined here this morning by my brother, Dr. Clyde Posley. Good morning.
1: Good morning, sir. How are you? And hello to our audience.
0: Yes, it's great to be back again. Uh, Always grateful to be sitting next to you. Uh, We want to make sure to highlight uh, what we do here at Warp & Woof Radio. Warp & Woof is the interconnection between vertical and horizontal threads that make up fabric, And under a Christian view of life and things, this is Colossians 1.17, by him, by Jesus, are all things held together. But beyond that, our show is sponsored by the Cominius Institute. The Cominius Institute exists across three bridges, one into college. We're helping Christian young people think differently, think Christianly about their academics from a Christian point of view. We then cross into communities, which is the focal point of this radio show, And the focal point of the show is to bring cultures together, specifically focused on black and white leaders coming together across Indianapolis. We're looking for folks who are doing good, and that is based on Titus 3, 1, 8, and 14. And the third bridge we cross is into culture, and we, every single week, are dealing with different kinds of cultural ideas. And these kinds of ideas, of course, are the things that motivate us uh, in an interdisciplinary kind of way across the board uh, so, Dr. Clyde, we are here today uh, to discuss this idea of transformational or transactional service, mm-hmm. and we have a great guest coming in, Pastor Leon In our second hour. Uh, he is working with multiple groups across Indianapolis, a good man. We've had him on a couple of years ago uh, as we uh, first started our show. But to us today, as we set the biblical base for this, let's talk about what it means to be Transactional versus transformational for our audience, and why that might be important from a Christian point of view.
1: Yeah, it, it, that I think it's Christian. I think it's a very important from a Christian perspective uh, uh, because the world is set up, like our show is set up, to 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 be walk, to be used as a create create a fabric that brings cultures together, and relationships mm. are supposed to do that. I'm just looking out the window here at, at some of what we might see. <laughs> you yeah, know that's right. But uh, uh, we're supposed to bring relation the, the God has set the scripture up, has set humanity up, has set up mankind to be relational. Mm. Uh, but, but dangerously, our flesh wants to merely be transitional.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: Uh, it wants to merely be transitional. It, it's not, I don't necessarily believe that to be transitional uh, to 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 have exchange in one's relationship mm. is wrong, mm-hmm. but uh, with everything like Dr. Troy Ladd, uh, my mentor once told me, your motives carry much of the weight mm. as the definition. Uh, but uh, in terms of a, um, a relationship, they all they all should be trans transformational. They should be they should cause us to I don't want to scare our audience, but evolve mm-hmm. to develop. Mm-hmm. To expand. Yes. And uh, that's the reason God has chosen uh, to cause us to exist by, by the power of community and connection. Mm-hmm. Yes. This is a huge issue for us, I
0: think. Mm-hmm. When we talk about uh, transactions, we're talking about, you know, across the street, if I go for lunch today, I've got a meeting over there today. Uh, I'm going to be buying a lunch. And so my transaction, when I swipe my card and pay for my hamburger, is going to be an important idea. That is... You give me something, I'm going to give you something in return. Mm-hmm. But in this particular case, when we talk about change across the board. We're talking about something that has to take place from within. And let me just pause at a point here to kind of uh, move us in that direction. Our culture focuses on production, but the Christian emphasis focuses on personhood. Absolutely. So our focus then is on the individual
1: person over against the product. Right. And, and, and whatever... Transaction we engage in uh, as Christians should first and foremost be to the glory of God. Yes, that's, that's number one. And then we, and then we're not looking for fair exchange from people mm-hmm. uh, because truthfully, that's that's that goes, it runs antithetically to the principle of love. Mm. Uh, when you're in relation, when you're seeking relationship, you you gave a good example. If you go buy a sandwich or whatever the case you, you expect equal value for what you, for what you have bartered, mm-hmm. what, what you have given out. Uh, but in Christianity, uh, we, we may be engaging with people who cannot yes. reciprocate. There it is. Yeah. W- what? Uh, and so, uh, that's what I, that's what I was inferring when I, and I said that, um, uh, that the transaction between humans mm-hmm. may not be equal. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and there's an argument to be made, Dr. Echo, as to whether or not it, it, sh- it needs to be. Yes. For us to, because we're going in to love. Mm-hmm. We're going in it to, to give, mm-hmm. and true giving uh, is not of necessity. Yes. In other words, we don't reach out to, to, to just, in terms of people, dealing with people. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about stock investment. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about a, a example like you just gave, this person at the store. We're talking about human condition, and what we're willing to do in that transition and, to help glorify God.
0: Yeah, exactly. And so maybe the question that we ought to be asking is, are
1: willing? Are we willing to give to those who cannot give back to us? That is the question. That is, a, that is uh, if we do so, that is us being as Christ-like as we can mm-hmm. on earth. Yes. To, to intentionally, Christ intentionally came here. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, while we were yet sinners, mm. Christ died for the ungodly, mm-hmm. which means another way of saying this would be while we were unable to even know what he was doing mm-hmm. or pay him back, mm-hmm. he gave his life. This goes to the point of uh, our guest in the second
0: hour who uh, runs a website called Diaconus, uh, which of course uh, in the Greek means to serve. And the focal point, one of the taglines on their website is uh, to serve, not to be served. And of course, that's What our focal point is uh, when we come to these kinds of discussions, Uh, not what we can get, but what we can
1: give. Jesus said, I believe in Luke chapter 19, that he that is greatest among us Mm. is him that doth serve, Mm -hmm. him that seeks to serve. Uh, The Bible says, also relating to Christ, Christ came to give his life a ransom for men. He came to give it up. Mm -hmm. That's huge. I remember the, uh, the time when
0: I came to your church to listen to you preach a couple weeks ago, and uh, I'm reminded of this because it it flashed across my mind as you were talking about how uh, when you sit in the back or at the back side of the table and you're called up to the front, it's a whole bunch different than if you go up to the front and then be told to sit in <laughs> oh, the back. Oh
1: yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, that is that is that that is true.
0: And that was really quite something for me. You know, here I am back there in in the pew, and I see this your hand motioning me up to the. front. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking, my guest. Yes, well, that's very generous. and But I, I actually did think about that parable Jesus told at that moment, mm. too, uh, because w- what it is for us is not to think that we should have some kind of expectation. Right. Yeah. That's right. And that's a real important that's idea right. for us uh, when we come to our Americanized
1: view of life and things. Mm. You know, I, uh, you know, we, we live in a world, unfortunately, Mark, in, in, in my view, is shying away from beneficence. Yes. Um, we more and more. It's what we can get. hmm And uh, you know, it's what it's what it's it's about me. Mm. And the idea of sacrifice. Oh, boy. For a greater good or for a greater concern is fleeting. Oh man, you
0: had to you had to mention the s-word, didn't you? <laughs> sacrifice. <laughs> sacrifice. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You know, it's, 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 it's free. And, and that's, un, that's unfortunate.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, we live in a world, uh, I, I, as I get, as I say, increasingly that is developing this mindset that of selfishness mm. and what is best for me, Yes, that is not mm-hmm. Christian, right? Right. It's not, yeah. it's not, we, we, it is our job to try to find ways to have relationships across party lines, mm-hmm. across racial lines, across gender lines, mm-hmm. for the purpose of glorifying God. Uh, Colossians uh, chapter three, I believe it's around verse 23 says, whatsoever you do, mm-hmm. do it heartily as unto the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, I am, I am, because I've been pastoring um, uh, approximately 30 years. This is a, we, we, for me, and it, again, this is my thirty years I my continuum. Mm-hmm. it's America is, um, has so shifted,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and maybe she was shifting, and my worldview just came to, mm-hmm. came, came into the understanding yeah, of it. Sure, you know, I do not know, but I but I I, I don't deny that we need to evolve in our understanding. So I, I very well could, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't know some things thirty years ago, twenty years ago. that sure. I do understand now. Sure, but 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 the lack. A, a, the, the condition of the church, the body of Christ, or the condition of a country mm. as well, are, are clearly seen in how it loves mm. sacrificially. Mm.
0: What are we willing to give up? The emphasis on transformation and go. change. This is huge. This is the focus of our show today. We're going to be taking a one-song break. When we come back, Dr. Clyde Posley and uh, myself will continue our conversation about the necessity of redemption and the need for change that begins outside of ourselves. Mm. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio at RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. One song, we'll be right back. We are back. Warp and Woof Radio at RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. We are pleased to be here on this Wednesday morning, the last Wednesday of June, and we are here talking about some very important ideas. The concept of transactional versus transformational change – and uh, we left that, uh, we talked about some of the definitions for those in the first section. But uh, right now we want to talk about this idea of the necessity of redemption being the organizational structure of change. Mm-hmm. So how are we transformed? How do we uh, make any kind of change, whether that be within ourselves or within organizations or institutions? Uh, where do we want to take this,
1: Pastor? Well, um... Well, let's talk about the the necessity of change first. Okay. In my in, in my view, you know, when Christ says, "If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature." For in Second Corinthians mm. chapter five and verse seventeen, mm. it, it all it, when I first understood that passage, started to understand the passage. It led me to ask the question: Why do I have to be changed? Why do I have to be new? Mm. Because God, because think about the human condition and how how damaged sin had made us mm-hmm. so much, so that Christ says, I, "I'm not." Even I don't want to fix that person. They need to be new. Mm -hmm. The transactional, the godly transactional Christian or the Christian who would have relationships that are transformational Mm -hmm. cannot do it in his old person. That's right. You simply cannot. Mm -hmm. Christ is not interested in salvaging you. Right. He wants to make you new. So this is no moralism we're talking about. Exactly. That's that's, that's exactly. That's a good. That's a good way to put it. You might want to explain that, you know? Sure. That's a seminary term.
0: (laughs) Yeah. The concept of moralism simply means that you're abiding by some stricture, by some rules and regulations that are given to you. And if you abide by these things, then morally you are. Right or good or proper or in some way appropriate. By your own standards. Yeah, yes. and you, exactly right, Pastor. You establish your own standards. So, of course, from a Christian vantage point, we're always talking about standards coming from outside of ourselves. Mm-hmm. That is, that there's a structure outside of us to which we must give an account. Mm-hmm. And I'm always reminded, I think I've said this about six times on this show throughout these two and a half years. I love Bob Dylan's words, man, you've got to serve somebody. Right. And it's they're going to be either yourself or the one that's made you, but you're going to serve
1: somebody. Yeah, you go, you're designed you. to serve someone. Yes. It's, it's within, it, you, you, you can't get outside of it. Right. The way, what, Part of, uh, arguably, and this is not, I'm sure it's not about this, but but I, I'm sure you will concur with this. Part of being made in God's likeness and image is to be a server. Yes. Is to seek to meet the needs. Because of the nature of love that is in us, right. God is a servant, not a servant, mm-hmm. but He's a he, He's a person, he, not a person, but he, He's a God that seeks to love, mm-hmm. to provide, to build up, to admonish, to lift up, and so we're made in the likeness and image of a God who 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 seeks the good of others uh, constantly. Yes. And, and so, uh, you know, you brought up the word redeem, uh, which literally means to buy back. Mm-hmm. You know, in th- w- in our fallen state, the only way God would ever get out, get from us what he intended when he made us was to pull us out of what we became after he made us mm-hmm. and finished. And and so we so mm-hmm. we can finish becoming what he intended for us to become. Right. The second Adam. Right. You know, in Jesus Christ.
0: So the big yeah. issue here, of course, is that this is an internal change, one that we cannot do mm-hmm. ourselves. We cannot. That's initiated from outside of us, but is transforming mm-hmm. within us. Mm-hmm. And that's the crucial issue, and to your point, we are being bought back. We are being purchased. Right. First Peter one says that we have been bought or purchased with, with the precious the blood right. of Jesus.
1: Yes, sir, yes, sir. You know, I, I was I was th- as you were talking about that, I was thinking about how many people believe or go about life, whether as we walk and look out our window here, uh, state government, local government, state government, uh, federal government, don't believe they need a change mm. to be right? Right. <laughs> think about that. Yeah. I mean, because that's especially what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. There are pe- people who, who do not think they need church or God uh, to carry out um, right. Yes. I mean, when you, when you think about it, that's just, I would not want to go about anything, and the world wouldn't need me to try to go about anything without knowing <laughs> God.
0: And the sadness of that, if we transfer it into the, the national uh, scope of, of news, let's say, for instance, that's, ha- that's happening mm-hmm. right now, uh, the big problem is, is that everybody's just trying to maintain their own power base. And we mm. do that in ways that uh, certainly uh, cut across not only our, our humanness, but across the opportunity for us to really have true salvation, which and that true salvation, of course, is not going to be something that depends on a party or a personality no. or a policy. No.
1: It's going to depend no. on that blood again. Right, and, and, and the expressed power of that blood in how we treat people. Mm-hmm. The way we express the power of change yes. or redemption. Mm-hmm. Is in how we treat people. That's right. That's not a political statement. No, that's no, not, it's a, not. That's not going to come. I'm not going to function along party lines and make that happen. Yes. In fact, I can. I, I, I contend there is no one political party that is going to bring the world together, America together. Let me am, Amen. That has Christ. <laughs> Is going to bring the world together. That's right, absolutely. And and what do you mean by Christ? You know, some people. Say, what do you mean by Christ? How we treat people. Christ came mm-hmm. to redeem us. Getting mm-hmm. back to what where we were, to redeem us, to make us into a people. What is redemption? Redemption looks like you deciding to meet, the, make people a bigger priority than yourself. Yes, that's how you experience. You know that you are experiencing mm-hmm. re, the redemptive power of Christ in your mm-hmm. life. That others. Rise in priority, and you yes. begin to decrease in your priorities. Yeah. And it's not that you're going to lose your life, right. because when a man finds his life, <laughs> is when he finds the love of God right. expressed in people. Sounds
0: vaguely like John the Baptist. He must increase, and <laughs> yes, I must decrease. Exactly. <laughs>
1: exactly. That's a that's an important verse there, John three thirty. You know, I hope our audience knows. You know, the greatest thing that our show brings, in, in my view, is we we connect biblical principles. Mm-hmm. To human realities. Yes, that's. I mean, it. we are standing up here. We're, we're standing. We're sitting up here, <laughs> and we are basically basically using scripture. Yes, to to talk about um, the the ideals that, that society should be reaching for. Right. We don't we don't claim to have uh, the the clearest understanding of all of the Bible but we know where the understanding should come from. It
0: should begin there, of course, going back to your word essentialism, meaning there has to be some kind of a foundation upon which we're going to stand. And then, of course, this umbrella under the authority of Scripture, which we stand under. So we stand on Scripture, but we also stand under its authority. And to this point about loving, uh, let's flip that script a little bit and say, if you are uh, committed, let's say, for instance, to a certain a personage to a certain party, to a certain affiliation, to a certain institution, and you are constantly spewing hate, and you are spewing hate because somebody else is spewing hate, it's not any different than the person who started it. It's just a different kind of hate. I agree. So the emphasis, of course, isn't that, you know, just because they did it to us, we're going to do it to them. The emphasis is that's got to stop, and we've got to do something different.
1: And the Scripture says, do not render evil. Oh my! The scripture says, "Don't do that." Don't if, if if a person is. It doesn't say. It's not that we shouldn't respond, but you can't respond in kind. In kind, yes, right, yes, right. right. Um, you know, and and, and that's, that's that's dangerous. That's dangerous because hate anywhere is a threat to love everywhere. Oh, say that again. Yeah, hate anywhere mm. is a threat to love. Everywhere. Oh my, there it is, right. boy. Right. Just like, like love anywhere yeah. is, a to,
0: is a threat to hate. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And the light pushes out the darkness. That's right. This reminds me of uh, the passages in, in Romans chapter 12 where God says, look, somebody does some, some evil to you. Don't revenge. I'll take care of that. And, of course, that 1218 is, is one of those verses that haunts me. As much as it depends on you. If it's at all possible, right. live at peace with all men. That's right. Now that means, of course, that there might be times when that's not possible. That's right. But it's up to us to find a
1: way to be peaceable that is, in this culture. That is right. That that what the way you just quoted that is is how it is more like it reads in the original Greek mm. uh, and in the New American Standard version. Mm-hmm. Uh, the King James version says, "For as much as lies lies within you." Mm. But what you what, the way you uh, spoke that. Is, is the intent of that passage, right. for as much as it relies on you. Mm-hmm. Now we're flawed. Yeah. We have flesh. Yeah. And unfortunately, uh, all of us have been to some degree brainwashed mm-hmm. by political uh, thoughts. Yes. But the preeminent, ex- the expectation of God mm. is that him in you mm-hmm. will rise to the forefront of your thinking. Mm-hmm. And so thus, when, when, Then when we say for as much as lies in you or mm-hmm. as much as it depends on you, not depend on your emotions, mm-hmm. your rhetoric, or the pain of your past mm-hmm. even, mm-hmm. but your Christianity because yeah. you're not going to be judged on your past in the sense you, uh, uh, of, of uh, or you're not going to be judged as a black man or a white man mm-hmm. or you're not going to be judged as a male or a female. You're going to be judged... On what you have done according to the word of God, mm-hmm. period. That's right. And 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 I want to say that so we'll, again, so people can really hear it. God's not going to ask you whether or not you're a, 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 a democratic or republican or <laughs> independent on Judgment Day. There it it will not come up, right? Because that's not the standard. That's right. The standard is the word uh, what God instructed. Your response. And how many people were affected by your choices? Mm. This
0: is a huge discussion that we're having here about the impact of transformation on us, on institutions, on our nation, mm-hmm. on groups, on our churches as a whole. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio at TV at the Cool Group site. We're going to be taking a one-song break. But when we come back, we're going to continue this discussion and the importance of how do we actually live out what Scripture teaches us in terms of redeeming, buying back Ephesians five sixteen, purchasing back the time that's been given to us? Mm-hmm. We're going to take a one-song break. We'll be right back. Warp and Woof Radio, Radio Next. TV at the Cool Groove site. Those of you who are uh, interested in the YouTube live event, you will see this afterwards uh, in terms of uh, being able to catch up with us. But... One of the things that's true <laughs> is that uh, Dr. Clyde and I have these wonderful conversations off air and we wanted to come back to one of those uh, where Dr. Posley uh, suggested that there is and I quote, no neighborless space. So doctor uh, please take that away and talk about the, the connection there that you were making in Luke 16 and that it, the importance of taking care of wherever we are, the people in our midst.
1: Yeah, we, 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 had, we had talked about Um, expressing the redemptive event in our lives Mm. and how we transact with people. Mm -hmm. And I was saying that in order to properly express that I've been redeemed Mm. in how I treat people Mm. requires, in my view, that I first determine the value of people Mm. Mm. and whoever to, to, uh, whosoever it is that I am about to transact with, transform, and transform in a trans- transformational manner or transactional, I have to look at that person and decide. Mm. And there's so many pr- prisms through which we look mm. at people yes. that that can uh, uh, screw up our, our our ultimate opinion. Right. That we ha- often devalue people. That's right. And once we devalue a person, or mm. we don't find value in that person, mm. because of one of those prisms, one reflection says they're white or they're black, mm-hmm. one says they're male or they're female, mm. uh, one says they're pretty or they're not attractive, mm. one says they're a different ethnicity. It, these are the prisms that we're trying. We're mm-hmm. trying to focus with all these different trajectories of all, and images mm-hmm. of in our minds so we can't. And so we often criminalize what we don't understand. Mm, boy, it's not the truth. And so, and so, if so, if I criminalize you. In my, in, and in my mind, a criminal is low mm. on the human feeding chart. Yes. Then I'm not, then the result will be actions. Mm-hmm. Actions, like in Luke chapter 16, a stepping over that person. Mm. The, the, the worst thing is not the stepping over. The worst thing is that I have uh, privately devalued them by looking at them and mm-hmm. determining that they're not valuable. And so the result is that I step over mm. Well, the problem is I'm supposed to love the Christian. Mm-hmm. If I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself. Mm-hmm. And, and in many ways, what many people don't understand is that to step over my neighbor is to step over my, is, is to expose myself. Ah. And so with that said, we must understand, we must master this because mm-hmm. there are no neighborless social spaces in the mm-hmm. world. It, who is my neighbor? Mm-hmm. This guy in this truck that just mm-hmm. passed by, this gentleman that just passed by in this Nissan Maximum. This guy's in, in in the record. You are my neighbor. HB is my neighbor. My wife, my family, my children, my friends—all these people are. And the stranger
0: mm-hmm.
1: is my neighbor. Yes. There is no neighborless space. Yes. You you cannot find a space with because neighbor doesn't mean next door. Mm-hmm. Neighbor means in in my sphere. Yeah,
0: that's right. And the sphere. Can take on lots of exactly. different
1: directions, exactly. and of course, in our digital age. At, at, oh it, it, my! It, the, Martin Luther King said, "Technology," in his last sermon, March the thirty-first. His last full sermon, March the thirty-first, at the, at the at Cathedral in Washington D.C. Uh, but, 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 but five days before he was killed. He said technology has made the world a neighborhood, but unfortunately we haven't chose to go on mm-hmm. and make it a brotherhood. brotherhood. There it is.
0: And, of course, just as, just as I thought we couldn't get any lower in our nation this, uh, over the last couple of years, we had a brand-new low point this, year, this week in all kinds, all manners of how people are treating each other. And to, to suggest that somebody is stupid, or to suggest that somebody has no intellectual prowess or that they are marginally lame when it comes to their ability to use their brain. I mean, these kinds of things should never cross the lips of uh, leaders across the spectrum. I don't care what party you're in. And of course, certainly uh, not in the Christian realm. So I come back then to the, the idea of hate and love. And if we are simply disseminating this kind of hatred, if we're just kind of sharing what somebody else has said because it kind of uh, resonates with where we're at, then we
1: certainly are not, as Christians, resonating with a Christian vantage point here. You know, I, I agree with you. You know, when when a democracy, when, excuse me, let me say it this way. When a democracy's protest of opinion turns into hate, mm. a nation becomes vile. Mm-hmm. Yep. Protests, Protestants should Protestants mm-hmm. should protest. Yeah, of course. The the day we decide we can no longer protest, um, we're no longer a democracy. And we can't call each other names. I mean, yeah, yeah. if you, we, we, we could we, just start there, we, we we cannot do that. We cannot do that. We 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 should never do that. And, and unfortunately, Doctor Echo, in what we're seeing today, um, is people. Who really don't hate, but are calling names? Mm-hmm. I want. Let's just give that some thought. Go ahead. I don't. I don't. I don't know that. I don't. I don't know that. Uh, because hate. There are a lot of people who don't hate. That they're, they're, they're ignorant. They have an opinion. They don't know how to express it. And when I don't. I don't. When I say ignorant, I don't mean stupid. You know, I, I say that often when I'm. You know, I use that word in mm-hmm. my church. I, I, let me be clear. When I say ignorant, I simply mean don't know. Yep. any Better. Yep. I don't mean stupid or. You know whatever goes conversations go with that. That's that's not what I mean. But 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 people, we have to learn get back to learning how to protest civilly. Yes. How, how to disagree. We you, if you and I disagree, and and we might rarely do we do if we do we do do it off air. I'm not, I haven't seen that happen. But, yeah, I don't but, see But you but, 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 the, but the point I'm making is, um, we we are men who think. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't have to call you a name. <laughs> you understand? You understand? Thank what I'm you. Yes. Thank you. You know, yeah. I've, I've never called you a name. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't. I don't. I, I can't. I couldn't see fixing my mouth to call you a name because mm-hmm. I disagree. Same mm-hmm. with same with say, with, say or H or whoever. You know, yeah. I don't have to call you a name to disagree because I use. I believe that I can use my brain in order to talk to you. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, even if we get angry. Mm-hmm. I don't have to call you. That's something my mother, you know, God rest her soul, used, used, used to talk about. Uh, my mother wasn't formally educated, you know, she uh, was smart, very, just and wise. Mm-hmm. And she said, Listen, I have no problem with you arguing a point, mm-hmm. but don't ever call a person what they're not. Yes. This all goes she she may have done it, but I'm just you know, I'm just saying, you know, she, she taught me don't, don't, don't. What mama says, boy, we, <laughs> yeah. we best obey. Right. Exactly right.
0: Yeah. This is a, uh, this is a powerful principle off air. We were talking about the principalization of scripture and it reminds me to go back to Genesis four. The, the problem with Cain and Abel story has nothing really to do as much with what was sacrificed with, uh, but what with what, how much was sacrificed or with what attitude or motive the sacrifice took place. And so when we look at Genesis chapter 4, what was uh, Cain's problem with Abel? He wanted to lower Abel to his position. He did not want to come up to the standard God had set, but he wanted to take out the obstacle that was in his way so that he could then operate on the level that he had established for himself. He was going to take out his brother because his brother had a higher standard, the obstacle was the problem, of course, with him, and this was a, a real issue, of course, for us when we think about the issue of standardization and uh, concern for uh, what we have, uh, what we're thinking about in terms of a uh, principle of scripture. So when we think about this, when we think about this, we have to consider the necessity of uh, not only. <laughs> In the simplest sense of not climbing back into the sandbox and calling each other names, this is just abysmal. As I stop to consider it, even to,
1: to say it out loud, why do I even have to say that out loud? Yeah.
0: this is a sadness in the well, culture. Well,
1: this is, but it's because we're leaders, it's, and, and we, we have a charge mm. to keep. We have to. We, this is our platform, mm-hmm. and this is what we have to do if we're going to talk about relationships comprehensively, mm. transitional. Mm-hmm. Uh, a transactional, rather, or a, 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 a transitional, and because that's what's happening. Yes. That's, 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 that's what's happening. Martin Luther King said, let no man bring you down so low as to hate him.
0: Mm. This reminds me of uh, an article that was published this week in the New York Times, uh, which had to do with civility and incivility. And what really fascinated me about the article was that um, people at the New York Times or any place in the general media will assume certain things as right or wrong. They will say, we need civility, but my first question is going to be,
1: who says? Right. What is your definition of it?
0: Where are we going to get that authority base from? So we come back to the same issue we always do, which is, okay, from a Christian vantage point, and I'm going to say this in a public sphere so that everybody hears me right, uh, I want to say to everybody, if you are not a Christian and you are taking Christian ethics to yourself, you are doing nothing other than smuggling in an ethic that you have not confirmed by your own belief this ethic you have smuggled or stolen is this ethic that you want everybody to love but when it comes push comes to shove you're not willing actually to to abide by it and so our concern of course with civility and incivility is that you don't get that apart from a christian viewpoint that says you know what we're supposed to love our I neighbor agree.
1: Cool. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So I, in all of that, I'm, I'm thinking about another New York Times article that was published this earlier this week, which used the word inappropriate. Now as soon as anybody uses the word inappropriate, I have to ask the question, okay, what once again, what's, what's the standard for appropriate? <laughs> right, right. Well, how do you define appropriate so that I know what you think is inappropriate? But beyond that, the problem isn't so much with the word inappropriate as that it's now being used across the board for everything. It's not just that, you know, back in the old days, you know, we would say, well, you can't wear white on such, a, you know, past Labor Day or some dumb thing like this. You know, I don't know much about fashion sense, but I've heard that said. So here we have this idea that this may be inappropriate. How I come in dress, for instance, to the Burger King across the street may or may not be appropriate. But when we start talking about ethics, as appropriate or inappropriate. We have now lowered the language bar to such a degree that we no longer even have a standard by which we say, you know what, uh, this issue of uh, the Me Too movement, for instance. We cannot simply say this is inappropriate, though that's exactly what people say, because they don't want any kind of stringent, strong, ethical word choice that says there's a right, and a wrong, a good and a bad. How dare we even consider those things so we're going to lower our language to the use of a word
1: like inappropriate just as Cain did to his brother Abel. Yeah, central. That, that's that's good stuff. You know, central central to um, appropriateness, quote-unquote, and, and, and the previous statement you made, is what I call the hijacking of Christian ethics. Mm-hmm. You know, we we cannot, and some people don't even realize that they're doing no, it. No, they don't. I hear political pundits uh, on on various uh, talk shows. I listen to all. Um, I do. I'm, you know, I'm a.
0: I see. Yeah, f- I've seen blushing. your TV. Yeah. Yeah, I do. <laughs> you know,
1: you know, if, <laughs> you should come to my house like <laughs> But uh, but 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 see, a lot of people are requiring uh, a, um, uh, appropriateness or rightness or better behavior uh, from some politicians but they don't believe in Christianity. Mm-hmm. So in other words, they, they're, they're trying, I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of give. I'm, I'm, I'm following the same yep. thing. Yeah, you are. Yep. But, but, but you can't decide that something, I do believe that there's some things that are said and done that shouldn't be done. But for me, mm-hmm. I have a moral standard yeah. that makes that That's right. inappropriate. That's right. But, but there are people who don't believe in the Bible, don't mm-hmm. believe that people uh, should dis, should, uh, should define what is moral or ethic for other people. Uh, and some people who uh, are, are, are teleological in their approach, but don't really realize that they are—they mm-hmm. they, they are results-oriented people, mm-hmm. and don't realize. And then with someone who goes about life living out teleologic thinking, they call it inappropriate. But but you have to know the difference between teleological, which is results, and and deontology, which is you know right and wrong. Where'd it come from? Where I where origin? Mean, where 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 did where, it come from? And so you can't decide that you want a person to act a certain way when you don't have a standard as to what that what that certain way should be. And you can't just pick a standard because you don't like someone's behavior. Yes, that's right. What is your system of belief? That's right. And then let's determine whether or not that's inappropriate, inappropriate based on the belief or what this country, what the country says, mm-hmm. its belief is. Yes. Yeah, there are some things, and, and even, even with that, there are two ways of thinking. If we are a Christian nation, then, then based on that standard, certain things are inappropriate. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter who the, who the person is. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to say that the Bible is not real, you don't really have a right to say that's right. what, 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 what's, what's not Christian because you've abandoned the thought of using Christian as your rule. Let's cut it right to the chase.
0: And this will preach pastor. People want the Christian fruit
1: without the Christian root. I would I I would agree with that.
0: There it is. You know that 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 concept that we want the goodness, the rightness, the beneficence, as you earlier well suggested. Uh, We want the good things, but we don't want to say where it comes from. And this is, of course, our problem. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio, Radio RadioNext TV at the Cool Groove site. Our guest Leon Longard, pastor of Diakonos Church, has just arrived, and we're looking forward to hearing him in the second hour. And we're going to set up for that. Uh, For those of you looking and watching us on YouTube Live or catching us up later on this, uh, you'll see that transition as we shift seats and all those good things. But if you're listening on air, on radio, uh, make sure to stay with us. We're going to take a two-song break. And when we come back, uh, we are going to be talking with Leon Longard, who is going to talk with us about the necessity of transformational relationships within the city as a pastor. You're listening to Warp Woof Radio at RadioNext.tv. We'll be right back in about 10 minutes. And we are back, Warp Woof Radio at RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. And we are really happy today to have with us Leon Longard who is sitting here with us. Uh, Dr. Clyde will be back in just a second. Uh, Leon, we're really grateful for your time here today to talk about this very important issue of service As it relates to transformation, we spent our first hour uh, talking about what does it mean to redeem from a Christian point of view the internal change that needs to take place. We went in lots of different directions, Uh, but we're really happy that you're here today. Thanks for taking the time. Give everybody uh, a general understanding of where you're coming from, your background, your family, your church, just baseline stuff here in Indianapolis.
2: Well, um, moved here from... I, I always say I came from Wisconsin because I grew up in Wisconsin, <laughs> spent 20 years there, and then moved to the Twin Cities of Minneapolis, St. Paul. I uh, was there for 20 years, and then about now 10 years ago, uh, my wife, uh, children, and I all moved down to central Indiana. Hmm. Um, we uh, still are not convinced that winter happens in <laughs> Indiana, um, and um, first got we were involved with uh, a campus ministry, Chi Alpha Campus Ministries, when we first came down here. Um, then, eight years ago, well, actually almost nine years ago, we started transitioning into doing more missional outreach based in a local church at first. Mm-hmm. Um, I had been kind of in and out involved with the missional church movement for about, um, well, now probably about 15 years. Um, had been kind of experimenting with things that are considered more missional. And then Six years ago, connected with an organization that at that time was called Christian Associates International. Now is called Communitas International, Okay, um, which basically we bring people together on mission, join in the mission of Jesus in the community, see what God's doing in the community. And then through that, we find our place mm. and um, we see how church develops out of that. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what we've been doing for the first um Five years since being involved with, uh, with more directly with Communitas and then just in this last year we finally have started to develop a form where we meet um, for every, right now every Sunday morning although we're going to experiment with um, Wednesday evenings instead of Sunday mornings okay. starting uh, after actually after I get back from vacation so okay. July, yeah, sure. mid-July <laughs> uh, anyway so um, my wife Tina Has been for the last, I'd say, seven years now working with um, HealthNet. She works in the administrative office. And uh, then we have three children: Katiana, Elena, Natalia, Mm. now 16, 14, and 12. Wow. One middle schooler and officially two high schoolers this fall. Um, And um, they're all involved in, um, well, by next fall, we'll all be going to um, a. virtual hybrid school okay. um, for two days a week they'll be on campus and then mm-hmm. three days a week they'll be doing their classes virtually uh, okay. uh, and then uh, the youngest runs cross-country and so now that's I had to find a new team for her and lo and behold that starts up the week after we get back from okay. vacation.
0: They have a rest of the busy, busy summer here. <laughs> right.
2: Yeah, yeah. It, will, it will get busy this summer. Uh, the other two are really into uh, theater and oh, great. The drama. Yeah. Um, the oldest wants to eventually do film. Oh she's really in fact I joked with him about I said, Hey, you gonna you know, check out when dad's on uh on YouTube this morning, watching <laughs> live? He said and she was like uh and they were like, uh, dad? And I think they're just at that age where um Star Wars playing Star Wars the Old Republic or watching <laughs> Voltron's season six for the third time is probably a little bit more interesting than dad <laughs> on a podcast. That's <laughs> all right. That's all right. We,
0: We'll celebrate your life over here. That's yes. right. We'll, we'll take care of that for you. Right. Yeah. So this uh, this idea that you've brought forward here in our discussion about what we might actually be talking about today uh, had an awful lot to do with the church. You've already mentioned the church specifically. Uh, tell us a little bit about why you chose the word that you did for your fellowship, diaconos.
2: Diaconos. Um, it's interesting because in the whole process of we launch a church in communitas we always are kind of like you start doing things wait to figure out what the metaphor is that describes what you're about when we started out when we first started out we were um, helping uh, Franklin Central High School start a food pantry mm-hmm. and you know just serving people there until they were ready to have their staff and students take it over um, and then but as I watched the nature of what we do we were coming around the idea that we serve others mm-hmm. and so I was, I was Kind of just praying about what's that metaphor that describes us. I was like, you know, the Greek word diakonos, people Mm. that serve others, Mm. um, fits really well. And so the church we call diakonos community. And then as I've been developing some of the other projects I'm doing that are more outside of the church, um, I've created, uh, kind of put it all under the umbrella of Mm. uh, diakonos life. And Mm. that it's like, how do we find life? serving others. Mm. Um, originally that was my blog and then I just started to add all the projects on as a website. Mm. So,
0: One of the things that stood out to me and the reason why uh, Dr. Posley and I were talking about this in the first hour was this: dif- the difference between transactional and transformational leadership and change. So why don't you spend a moment to, to help us to understand why that's important to you. Uh, how do you see that either being played out well or wrongly depending on whichever direction you want to take that?
2: Okay. Um, you know, I think, you know, going back to kind of the, the church network I work with or the tribe I'm in, you know, we talk about the three essential functions of the church and they are, you know, ha- getting together and having communion with God. And then the second one, well, and I'll jump to the third one is being on mission together, doing something mm-hmm. with the mission of Jesus together. Mm-hmm. But in between that is that we're actually having redemptive, transformational community happening mm-hmm. people's lives are being changed mm-hmm. as we get together um, so much of I think I, I was listening into a little bit of the uh, discussions before I came over from my mm-hmm. co-work space where I have an office and uh, so much of our society is based around this transactional yes. view of life it's mm-hmm. all you know quick change quick effort you know it's it's fast food, and we've transitioned that into, you know, spirituality in a lot more of ways. More for less, more for less. More for mm-hmm. less. How, much, how much bang do you get for the buck right. type mm-hmm. of thing? And so, you know, I tend to think about, well, are we really changing lives? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've been involved, I think, the first time I was on the program I was working with Uh, Food for Souls, at the time, was officially on staff there, and that's really one of our key partners now in the community, Mm -hmm. which really started to develop our identity beyond the food pantry, which was um, getting involved in the issue of homelessness. Mm -hmm. Um, And so having spent time relating to people on the street that are living in camps down in tents and under the bridges and stuff like that, um, I'm like, how do we see you know change happen in their life where mm. they're they're moving towards something um, better something more of the image of God coming mm. out in their life so you know yet the thing is so much of life is transactional and we've we've even around this issue of homelessness we get kind of developed this transactional approach to things mm. we look at how many people have we fed how mm. many people have we given clothes mm. to how many so- pairs of socks have we have had, had a a a a selfishness so yeah. Much.
1: So we can see if we're, we're doing a good job. Right, yeah. right.
2: And, yeah. and um, you know, or how many people have we housed? You know, I mean, there's a big yeah. push towards housing first, which I think is a great thing. Which is thing. not bad, right. Yeah, right, it's a great right. thing in Indianapolis. Um, how, but then it's like, how many people have we housed? And mm-hmm. it's like, well, unless we're making fundamental changes in their life, mm-hmm. um, we're really not changing what brought them into homelessness.
0: Right. This uh, maybe speaks to the issue, a broader issue of uh, the American culture and its consumption with data. We are driven by numbers. Yeah. Oh yeah, and yeah. analytics. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. so we feel that pressure all the time.
2: Oh yeah, definitely. I think we always, yeah, we're always looking at that. And I think, um, in the church, in nonprofits, it's. I mean, one of the ho- the challenges to thinking more transformationally is. Mm-hmm. It's harder to quantify, yes, it is. you know, and that's the th- and what donors look at and what people look mm-hmm. at is how many people are we feeding? How mm-hmm. many people have you served? all those type of things yes. but how do you measure you know a young man coming out of a camp taking a year to get to the place where he's rediscovered his mm-hmm. love of art mm-hmm. and he's starting to draw mm-hmm. again. Um, he's rediscovered his desire to be you know productive and not worry about. How to get from one fix to another, but mm-hmm. how do I, how do I actually find a job that I can stay, sustain in mm-hmm. while I'm working towards getting my, you know, graphic design degree or something like that?
1: You, you know, I'm, I'm listening, and, and I agree with you, Pastor. I, I'm listening. First Corinthians chapter twelve is coming to my mind because the body of Christ, as we know, has these parts. Right. And 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 what we have to do. Make sure that we are functioning in our roles. Here's why I'm here's where I'm going with that. There, relative, relative to donors, they should think about analytics because they should be looking as to I'm I'm speaking major donors. Mm-hmm. They should be looking for good investments mm-hmm. and and things that accomplish what right. their 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 investment goals are. But there is the uh, the Aconos group who who whose focus. Is and, and as it should be, people. <laughs> that's right, people. And yeah. I, I think that I think uh, we, we talked about on air. You, you, we really can't do that until we decide the value of a person.
2: Mm. Exactly.
1: The guy in Luke chapter sixteen mm. stepped over, as we talked about, stepped over the the beggar, be, as a result of not not intention not, not not because that's what he came to do that day, but because he had already decided there was no real value in this person mm-hmm. for him. And I think if everyone stays in their roles, we'd be, we, we we'd function better. I don't think the donor carries out our roles.
2: Exactly. You know, exactly.
1: Or, or our role. You know, but we don't carry out the donor's role in, in, in that sense. Exactly. We, we, we actually give them reason. We mm-hmm. present them evidences yeah. as to why they should mm-hmm. sow into what we're doing. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think as pastors, one of the things we have to do is to teach people that people – are God's assignment to us.
2: Exactly, yes. People. Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, we, th- th- I think I think there's so much homelessness. I don't think there's homelessness because people are just stupid. I don't think that. I don't think people want to be homeless. I don't think people, people want to be outdoors. I think that there is an un- improper distribution of this country's wealth mm-hmm. and the body of Christ's wisdom. Mm. As yeah. to why the homelessness mm. is such a problem, mm. why hunger is such a problem in our in a, I, in a country that throws away more food than it donates. Mm.
2: I think, I, yeah, <laughs> I think there's definitely uh, a place in there, and I and, and when I talk about transactional, I, I, sometimes we can make it kind of sound like it's this evil word. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. We need a certain amount of transactional yes. relationship yeah. In, yeah. in order to even build trust. Right. Mm-hmm. How do I get beyond or get to the point that transformation can happen mm-hmm. unless you know, I'm going down and spending time with people right. in the camp, being part of a team that is, um, is bringing food or is doing the things that are more transactional? Um, and even as I'm working with somebody, I'm life coaching a couple of people. There's times I have to be a little bit more transactional in order Mm -hmm. to keep the relationship going. But if I stop there, then it's like that's, then I haven't, if I'm saying, well, that's, you know, that makes me feel good today. Mm -hmm. Then I probably haven't gotten as far as God wants us to do in reconciling people to Christ. Because we need to be looking at how do we help that person make that transition or that transformation in their life to be more like jesus or to be more like the image of god and then more what god created them to be
1: and and sometimes i've discovered as a christian worker we have to ex, our expectations needs to be need to be pointed from into scripture and, exactly. and come from scripture the bible says faith comes by hearing our love feeding yeah. care we're, we're preaching right and our job is to get them to hear and they and and, and believe god that mm-hmm. the grace of god will cause them to hear and get saved. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it won't.
2: Mm, yeah, exactly. Not the truth.
1: Very true. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. And, we, and so we can, we have to be careful sometimes not to put ourselves out on an island because we, we expect it. We know what we're doing is powerful. Yeah, but they don't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's
0: right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Go ahead, Pastor, and finish up uh, a, a word on this, and then we'll take a break after you're finished.
2: Well, I was just thinking, um, you know, I was going to say, over, you know, I think of, you know, Um, things that I've done as far as looking at examining how we do things um, just in outreach and charity one book that I've really been drawn to is uh, um, Robert Lipton's uh, Toxic Charity Mm -hmm. because I think he really gets into this issue Mm -hmm. how do we how do we become more transformational Mm -hmm. and how do we not settle for just the transactional stuff because it's that's the stuff that is easy. Yes. Um, but right. you know quite honestly it takes time and we got to have patience for transformation and here's
0: happen. the real problem for us is that as Americans we're so interested in the next thing. our expectations yeah. are time goes like this and we want everything now
2: right exactly. Exactly.
0: This is a problem for us. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio at radionext.tv at the Cool Groove site. Uh, We're going to take a one-song break, but when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Pastor Liam Longard, Dr. Posley, Dr. Eckel. We're going to continue the conversation as it relates to transactional versus transformational leadership, change, and all of the things that make a difference in our communities. One-song break. We'll be right back and we are back Warp and Woof Radio at at the Cool Groove site and we are here today with Pastor Leon Longard uh, Diakonos uh, Fellowship here in the city of Indianapolis and uh, Pastor Longard we want to make sure to uh, ask the question about the examples that you have been giving us uh, of transformational leadership uh, give us some examples of teams of people that are working together to serve the community
2: well I mean I think you know I would start with our own Community, diakonos community, which is built around that whole idea. How do we, how are we on mission together? And one of the people that we've encountered as we worked alongside of Food for Souls, doing outreach um, in homeless camps, was a, a young man. I'll um, call him Alan today. Okay. Uh, yep. Don't want, you know, just not use his real name. Who, when I first met two years ago, was really kind of in a mess point of his life. He was just starting at bottom. We thought he was at bottom. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, he'll, you know, we'll see the transition happen soon. Um, but it's just like that first year of relationship, he just kept spiraling further and further. And mm-hmm. we actually lost touch with him about two years ag- or Yeah, it's been about three years we've known him. And so it was about two years ago we lost touch with him. And then just about a year ago, he reconnected with me, mm-hmm. kind of reached out, said, hey, here's where I'm at. I'm in this mess. and. We started, and we were just starting at that point where we are meeting on Sunday mornings regularly, and we have more of a defined community. And I was like, you know what? Maybe this is one of those people that I've kind of shifted my role as I'm now more advising Food for Souls, where I just focus on a couple of people at a time, life coaching them. And I said, well, maybe this is one of my first life mm-hmm. coaching parts here mm-hmm. um, in transitioning somebody. Helped him find a place to live, did some of the, those type of things. But then I think most importantly, we welcomed him into our community. Mm-hmm. And we just saw how that community began to help him rethink life and mm-hmm. really begin to say you know I, I need to have something more you know mm-hmm. significant going on so he's actually over at uh, pace today um, working on uh, he's has a bit of an arrest record not that major but enough that it creates obstacles when he's mm-hmm. job hunting so he's there working on um, trying to make that transition into finding a job that's more stable and not jumping from temp job to temp job and Mm -hmm. things like that and finding the right place for him but we've just kind of embraced him and uh, as a community one of our one of our members he's a general manager for or he's project manager for a company here that does industrial cleaning and he um, we tried that as a job for Brandon for a while but it wasn't quite the right fit Mm -hmm. it was a little too intense for him physically Um, But, you know, we've just been working with them and just saying, okay, what's the next step in your life? Um, You know, and then I just think, you know, I've also still through Food for Souls been involved with um, helping develop a faith-based collaboration Mm. of different outreach teams that are working and doing street outreach. How do we work together better? How do we communicate together better? And then how do we work with and communicate with the professional service providers? Mm. Since we can definitely find some areas where we are on agreement with each other. And then we can... We can work towards common goals, and how do we help um, help together reach similar mm-hmm. missions? There, um, other thing, um, and I mean through that, I've met a lot of people who are very involved in the community, working as teams. And a lot of times, we're working with the same people, so it's like, well, hey, I can't handle this person right now. What do you do? You got a lead for them? You got a place they can mm-hmm. go? Things like that. Um, then. Beyond that, um, you know, we took what we modeled in Diocenos. We've been also involved with Penn Place, the Housing First community on Pennsylvania and 14th, um, just show being there um, two nights a month, two Sunday nights a month, bringing a meal, hanging out with people, mm. trying to help them build community mm. there. Um, and that began to model something that a lot of the other churches that were involved with Food for Souls started to say, well, hey, we want to try to do something like that. So we're, I'm starting to coach different churches and having their own missional community that doesn't outreach into an apartment building and oh. building those relationships. But what I'm starting to look at is how do we bring this missional thinking, this missional DNA to people who may not be ready to like start a missional church or they may not they, they, they have a church they're a part of already. But how can they do something missional? And one thing we've stumbled on in the last year, um, is a program called the Open Table, mm. uh, which we have introduced. We're introducing the process of introducing to Indianapolis and the Continuum of Care, which works with um, addresses the issue of homelessness in the city. They're very interested in it because they can house people, but they realize that a lot of times the wraparound services kind of don't catch up with the housing, right. and so they're like, "Well, how can we get people of faith involved in helping us?" provide some of that care for people once they were housed. It was kind of funny because as we were starting that process, one of the people on the housing committee approached Dawn and I from Food for Souls and said, "You know, I'm thinking the faith-based community could be really involved in like helping create community and helping." And I was like, "Well, that's interesting because that's exactly (laughs) what we're (laughs) talking about." Pastor, you know,
1: get involved with what you're doing.
2: Uh, I think they definitely could. Um, I think um, particularly through (laughs) well. Uh,
1: what? Lead his, lead church
2: I think by the, by the uh, through the open table, I think it will be a very big way. We're going mm-hmm. to have an organi- organizing meeting late August, early September, to kind of we had um, just happened as we were introducing this or looking into this that um, Stephanie Berry from the Open Table was already here um, in state because there are a couple of smaller communities that are doing um, the Open Table already. Um, and so she was already here, and so we just arranged a meeting where she could come back last October and just kind of introduce the program. And then we've just been following up with that and, um, and trying to say, okay, doing webinars and trying to build that momentum. I think we're now at that point where, you know, I have my schedule particularly organized, and I've got a couple of people working with me who've got their schedules kind of sorted where we can say, okay, let's, um, let's try to do something late August, early September where we can invite people and really – start to organize something and I think it definitely would be something where um, you know pastors would you know, as kind of the initiators would get people involved in their the congregation. yeah they can go to the website to get that information um, I'll, yeah it's uh, my website is diakonoslife.org um, and then there's a link there for um, projects in development um, current projects in development um, under that is um, the open table in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. So um, I think we could probably put the link on the sure. on the mm-hmm. Facebook oh, yeah. page at some point or something like that. Yeah. So we'll figure that out. Yeah, these, these are
0: important ideas that, that we're suggesting here, that everybody can be involved and invested in this process. Y- you, one of the things that I was noticing about the open table concept was this idea about encouraging generalists with no special training necessary. Tell us a little bit about that and why that's so important uh, in this particular process you're engaging.
2: I think when we address issues like homelessness and things like that, we feel like, oh, I got to be, you know, I got to get a PhD degree or even Mm -hmm. just, you know, a bachelor's degree or whatever. I got to be a social worker or Mm -hmm. something like that. We all have life experiences that um, can really help somebody um, understand how to just transition regular life. I mean, Most of the people we're dealing with when we're reaching out into homeless camps are the the type of changes they're making is they're just learning how to balance a checkbook or they're learning how to manage their time. Mm -hmm. All the things that we do on a day-to-day basis. And don't think about it. And we don't even think about it. So you can have people who are generalists who do that. Mm -hmm. um, Where I think like one of the classic examples is people will say, well, you you need to be an accountant to help them with the finances side of it. No, no if you have a checkbook <laughs> if you have bank accounts if you know how to open a bank account or mm-hmm. go to the bank you can help somebody with the financial side of what mm-hmm. they're working on um, if you had to go look for a job you can help somebody figure out the whole mm-hmm. job hunt part of it um, the other thing I think we look at is um, the um, actually you know when I, when I introduced Stephanie when she was here when she did the presentation with the continued care one of the things I said I liked about the open table is I used to You know, teach an Alpha course, and they talk about church in the Alpha course. And Nicky Gumbel, when he does his videos, would he'd say, you know, church a lot of times is like a soccer match or a football match because he's English. Um, You got twenty-four people or twenty-two people running around, desperately in need of rest, being watched by sixty thousand people sitting in the stands, desperately in need of exercise. Mm. And we have that twenty eighty principle that's often talked about in the church. 20% mm. of the people do 80% of the work. Mm. Stephanie will say, invite the 80%. Mm-hmm. Invite the people that are not doing as much and help. That maybe think they can't do as much and say, right. hey, all we want you to do is be a part of this team of six people who meet once a week for one hour, once a week, make a one-year commitment to get together with one person or if it's a couple it's I think usually 10 to 12 people but that they get together uh, the, the people that they're working with are referred to as a brother or a sister and that you just meet with the brother or sister and help them think through what they want to do in their life to make changes um, so that's kind of why we've we're like you know it doesn't you don't need a special degree for that and there's training involved in it there's online training that's available that's part of as we we do this meeting just to kind of take it. It's more like a call-out meeting. We kind of take it to the next level of implementing it here in Indianapolis. You know, We'll set up a license agreement with um, the Open Table, and they provide training that's all web-based, so people can go through the, the course and training mm. at their own pace and just be able to learn. So the basics of what they need to know and as far as relating to people that are in transitions out of poverty, um, they can... Um, they can do that and, you know, through the online training. But, yeah, you don't need a special degree for that mm-hmm. or a diploma.
0: We're listening to Leon Lodgaard, pastor here in Indianapolis, uh, discussing what uh, he and his church members do at Diakonos uh, Fellowship here in town and talking about the open table concept. <coughs> when you mentioned the open table just a moment ago, you said something that was of interest to me. You said that there are six people that generally are around this table. Explain what the six pe- who the six people are, and why the table is an important metaphor for what's going on here in a person's life over a year.
2: Well, the people are the volunteers the, you have. You have the brother or sister, or brother and sister if it's a couple. But um, and I'm trying to remember the exact quote. But this actually comes from something from Dr. Martin Luther King, I believe that. Um, I, i trying to remember the exact quote, but it's like you referred to it. Like We've got to see everybody as our brother and our sister. Mm-hmm. And it's that f- family relationship. Um, so, Because it's not exclusively a Christian concept, although it started with Christians doing it. They, they said, well, no, it's not the biblical brother or sister. This comes from Martin Luther King. Um, the, um, but then you have around there people that kind of they do take different roles. I think um, I've got a diagram here where they talk about um, there's like an inside director who's h- kind of handling, making sure everything's flowing, people who deal with transportation, insurance, people who maybe help with housing, people who help with finances. If it's a couple, there might be somebody dealing with how to how to raise children, things like that. So when you have all of those, those people, you have like six to eight people meeting with one person, um, you start to almost create an extended family for mm-hmm. that person. Um, and... Um, a- Alan Graham. I'm, I'm also involved in like the whole tiny house movement, yeah. and he um, he works with Mobile oaves and Fishes down in Austin, Texas, and they started a yeah. large tiny house community there. And part of their they call it community first, mm-hmm. because they as they started doing you know food truck ministry to those that were experiencing homelessness, they said one of the single greatest causes of homelessness is a profound catastrophic loss of family. Mm. So I think any way we can create family for people, uh, extended family for people, we are making you know helping create a network and a safety net mm. for them. Um, we're really on a volunteer level. We're creating kind. Of, I mean, we can't do maybe some of the stuff that professionals. Where we do need professionals, we can't do the advanced <laughs> mental health care and stuff like that. But by just creating that safety net, we're almost creating wraparound services. Mm-hmm. And our social work community has always mm-hmm. talked about we need wraparound services. Mm-hmm. Well, this is one practical way that I think average people can be involved in mm-hmm. wraparound services. Mm-hmm.
0: The issue of uh, getting individuals involved that don't necessarily have special training, I think, is really a powerful idea for us because so many times in the church we find we hear people say, well, you know, I, I don't have a theology degree, I'm not, I don't have the title of pastor. Uh, this is something, you know, this is what my job is during the week. It has nothing at all to do with, uh, with what we're talking about in terms of service or help uh, with people. And I think we need to move beyond that concept uh, mm-hmm. with folks to help them understand that there is no laity-clergy divide, that there is no difference between uh, those of us who might have degrees after our name and those of us who don't. You know those things. Like I say to people, you don't have to go to seminary to do this stuff. You know, Mm -hmm. that's really important.
1: Professional (laughs) training for learning to love is human need. Yeah,
2: exactly. Well, and I mean, even that. I mean, you know, this going back to an example in Diakonos, I mentioned the friend who's a in our community who's a project manager. Um, He's a friend of mine that um, our parents eloped together Hmm. back in Wisconsin. Ah, He ah, was born two months before me. The guy I knew in high school. nothing like the guy I know now Okay. you know he was he's not a Christian at that time was not really serious about school or anything Um, currently when it comes to like the theological discussions we have now are just crazy off the chart I'm like (laughs) you have you have an MDiv practically speaking from all the reading you've done Mm. he was a finished high school has a few uh, undergraduate classes never got a bachelor's degree Mm. But I would theologically put him in a place where, I mean, I let him, you know, when I'm out of town for a vacation or stuff like that, I'm like, you take the meeting because you can probably lead it better than any. <laughs> you might be able to lead it better than me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I mean, but that, that's it. I mean, and that's just one practical way, but I think, uh, you know, a, a different type of way. But I think, yeah, we we need to recognize that within the realm of clergy we need to realize that you know, that whole laity-clergy divide needs to go away. You know, we have to get everybody involved. It's it's all people play. Yes. All people are in on it. Um, and I think even um, in the social work community, a lot of the social workers I've gotten to know over a good time, they're seeing that too, where they're like, you know what, there are ways that people can be involved who maybe don't have the social work degree. Now, they have some standards they have to follow, and they, they have professional standards. They have, you know, there's certain things that they feel like, you know, we can't really go in that direction because that might open us up to risk that they would deal with legally, and I totally get that part of it. Mm-hmm. But they definitely recognize there's a value in just friends, people that can just love. Yeah.
0: Well, this is a, a valuable discussion here today as we talk about the open table and the necessity of bringing together uh, folks to help uh, individuals and perhaps even families uh, navigate uh, life together. Uh, when you think about, uh, you were just talking about the issue of government organizations and uh, professionals, for instance, and institutions like Uh, hospitals and so on that have very specialized, important roles to play. Um, How do you partner with those community groups or those governmental organizations or agencies so as to uh, properly do what you do best and uh, acknowledge their role and what they do best?
2: Um, I think a lot of times we have to recognize that we're a little bit walking into their turf.
0: Ah, good good point. (laughs) And I think just
2: as we would not, just as I don't, walk into a camp and just like take over a homeless camp and say hey yeah i'm in i'm in charge here now Mm -hmm. i'm like this is your home um we have to respect the the guidelines they work by the Mm -hmm. the federal um regulations they have to deal with things like that and we have to respect the expertise they bring to the table um there's a lot i mean right now i meet regularly i'm guy i'm life coaching i'm sitting in with his case manager and i just sit back at points and say this is your part. Mm. Funny part is she's a believer, and she'll say like, when it gets into something theological, she'll go, "You, uh, <laughs> you take that part." <laughs> uh, you know, but um, the, um, you know, we just have to recognize that we are in their their territory, and we got to learn the language mm. that is important to people that are working mm. in these fields. Mm. Um, you know, we talk about wanting to bring people to Jesus, and they're like, "Well, all religion is." And I'm like, well, yeah, I get that. I get how you feel about that. And so we tend to then focus on, okay, well, we're coming from a Christian perspective, but mm-hmm. we talk. About, that's where we'll use words like faith-based instead, mm-hmm. and try to um, be a little bit more general. Um, that but then also, we you know we've been involved with organizations like Partners in Housing, in particular. That's where a lot of these missional communities are working. And so I've built the mm-hmm. really work to build the relationship with. Uh, mm-hmm. Their executive director and their community person, who, so that they they know that the people that we're bringing in are people that are mm-hmm. going to respect their property, respect enforce their rules, are going to value the security of their residents, mm. and so, um, you know, that's one place where we've built relationships. I'm very involved with uh, Chip Coalition for Homelessness Intervention and Prevention, and mm. part of that was they they um, a year ago kind of partnered with us a grant did a grant program with them for a year trying to say how do we get the faith-based people to work together mm-hmm. and so that's where we have a, week, a monthly faith-based work group that meets on um, Thursday mornings at CHIP mm-hmm. talking about how do the faith-based outreaches become part of the whole mm-hmm. uh, the whole continuum of care the whole umbrella um, it, it
0: strikes me that one of the difficulties I think and I'm thinking now about being a Christian in the church community we have this tendency to separate the secular sacred divide, which should not be, of course. Right. Um, and we desperately need to be invested within our communities, which means that the normalcies of life—you know, home and health and food and transportation—all those kinds of things. This is we should be organizing a Christian view of these things, exactly, all the way through everything that we do.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I think we need to have that that perspective. That's not. Um, I think sometimes, I, I sometimes feel like people in church feel like they have to be at war with, oh, yeah. with, the, uh, with the social work community or they have to be at war with Christian, anybody not Christian. Yeah. And I'm like, no, we can, we can define um, th- the care, we can define justice, we can address social justice, speak to it from a Christian perspective and find we have mm-hmm. a lot of places we can agree with each other on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, and then recognize that there are some places where we maybe won't agree with each mm-hmm. other, but, you yeah, know, I, I believe the
1: body of Christ, I, 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 agree with you completely, and I believe the body of Christ is not as effective at soul winning as it should be because we frown on other, uh, expressions of, of faith. Mm-hmm. I, I'd I agree. i I'm I'd absolutely agree. absolutely Christian. I believe the only way to get to God, uh, is to, is to be, uh, Except Jesus Christ, your personal Savior. No doubt about that. Right. But this world has ills, Mm -hmm. and many of the people who who are suffering from those ills are not Christians. Mm -hmm. You have to sit at the table with them, Mm -hmm. and our witness will be so much stronger if we said, look, it doesn't matter what you believe at this point. You're hungry. Right, Mm -hmm. exactly. You're homeless. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How can I help you? Mm -hmm. That will do more to draw Mm -hmm. than say, ah, you're Muslim. You're a a whatever. Yeah,
2: Yeah. um, exactly.
1: You weren't a Muslim, I might be able to no, <laughs> Exactly. No, that's not, that's I mean exactly. Exactly.
2: Yeah. And I think that's uh I mean I think we really need to you know, this is where growing up Pentecostal, I uh you know, I always we I talk about the active work of the Holy Spirit and we need to trust the Holy Spirit to Absolutely. do his part of the job. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, we're right. not we're not his we're not the ones doing his work. He, he does his work.
1: Right. That's right. Right. Yeah, the I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, please. I'm just talking about the power of the Holy We can't be witnesses without the power right. of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, our work is uh, our effort is less powerful mm-hmm. than the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Yes.
2: Yes, exactly. The
0: responsibilities are ours, but the results are God's. The power of the Holy
2: Spirit. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And then I think um, you know we just need to be the presence of Jesus in that. Mm-hmm. We just need to bring the presence and then allow the spirit to work.
0: Mm-hmm. One of the difficulties I see even in this discussion, uh, I, c- I can hear people thinking this in their minds, you know, listening to us or seeing us later on as they pick up the podcasts are, you know, this really sounds like a social gospel, and this is a difference, you know, that somehow needs to be different. No, man. Yeah. The social nature of the Christian message needs to be the result of a change, transformed, a transformed life of ourselves. And therefore, then we reach into
2: the society around us mm-hmm. instead of making, again, these dividing lines. Right, right. You know, actually, you know, I think it, is, it I joke with my friend, um, you know, my friend yeah, I've known since we grew up together, last and we were talking once, he goes, I, somebody said something about communism on one of his posts. And he said, I'm beginning to think that the greatest compliment you can have if you're following Jesus these days in America is you're called a communist. <laughs> 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 and it may be true because I think back to a quote from a – to remember one of the liberation theology uh, theologians in um, Brazil. Ferrar, I think it was Ferrar. He no. says, "Yeah, yeah." yeah. He no. says, um, "You know, um, when I fed people, they called me a saint. When I asked why people were hungry or why they were poor, they called me a communist." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "Yeah, if we're not, if we do the transactional stuff, we're, we're saints. Mm-hmm. If we try to transform life and ask mm-hmm. why is life not being transformed?" Mm-hmm. And then we run into the risk that people think we're communists or yes. something like that.
1: the first I talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. If we would just – this pin, for example, represents the need of people. Mm. But we have so many layers and different scopes that we see this pen through. Mm. And that we lose sight of the fact it's just a pen <laughs> that needs to be opened if it's going to be mm-hmm. used. And so we, it, it, it's, it's just so easy for us to – Excuse ourselves away from effort mm. because someone is black or white or or male or female mm-hmm. or whatever e- ethnicity. Christ is going to reckon that. Yep, I'm serious. About there that. it is.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep. exactly. It
0: changes it all. Pastor Leon Longard has been joining us here in the second hour of Warp and Wolf Radio. Pastor Longard, uh, before we leave, uh, give you about thirty seconds to leave somebody, leave everybody with. One thing that you want them to know, you want them to walk away from this broadcast with, what would it be?
2: Well, um, you know, I think um, I was just kind of like you were talking about how to get involved in things like that. And I'm just going to bring back to that. Um, you know, go to diakonoslife.org. Um, under the projects and development, you'll see the, the link for the open table in Indianapolis. There's a contact form that you can fill out, that'll go directly in my email, or uh, the person that's working with me, Amanda, will go to her email um, as well, um, and we'll get back in contact with you to invite you to that organizing meeting. Um, There's also um, Stephanie Berry, who's here in October. Mm -hmm. She's doing regular national webinars now, um, informing people as they're growing nationally. And so July 9th, 19th, 24th, 26th, there are four webinars, actually 6 cuz two two of those days is morning and evening they're yeah. on pacific coast time but you know she's got all the sure. trans you know the different uh time zones in there but it's right there listed on my website mm. um again right on that same page where you mm. can click on the link and register for that Great. um that webinar as well. Mm.
0: Well we're really grateful that you've spent some time here with us today. Thanks yeah, so much. All right. Yeah, yeah, we're and grateful. For the work you're doing. Oh,
2: yes. Thanks. Yeah. Good to see you, you guys know, too.
0: <laughs> uh, thank you. Uh, we're li- you're listening to Warp and Woof Radio at Radio next, uh, TV at the Cool Groove site. Just to remind everybody, we are taking a break next week. Ju- next week is July 4th. We'll be on vacation uh, from this show. Listen to the cool jazz music that you will hear uh, on this particular station. We'll join you again after the break and uh, do- come back to do the same kind of thing we've been doing for the last two and a half years, and that is exposing yeah, yeah. people around Indianapolis, to those Christians who are doing good, Titus 3, 1, 8, and 14. Pastor Longard, one more time, thank you again for being with us.
2: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Dr. Posley, always a pleasure, my brother. Always my pleasure, my friend. Yeah. Blessings on everybody's holiday, and we'll see you next time.